You're listening to episode 9 on Network Effects and Web 3 from the Network Effects Masterclass here on the NFX Podcast. In Web 2, Network Effects were nice to have as companies scaled and carved out their section in the business world, but now they're more important than ever. You'll hear NFX General Partner Morgan Beller uncover why in Web 3, Network Effects are fundamental and critical to survival. You also get a brief history of the evolution of the web and our three-stage framework for building a startup in the world of Web 3. Let's jump in. I'm Morgan Beller, and I'm a general partner at NFX. Prior to NFX, I was at Facebook, where I was a co-creator of the DM project, formerly known as Libra, which was Facebook's cryptocurrency effort. And a life before that, I was at Andreessen Horowitz, where I looked at some crypto deals around 2013, 2014. So I've been in and around this world that we now call Web3 for the better part of eight years. Now that I'm at NFX, I meet with Web3 founders and we talk about the power of network effects and how network effects were a nice to have in Web2, but really, really a need to have in Web3. In this section, we're going to go over several areas. One is we believe that Web3 founders and companies need to be built in almost this inverted way. So as discussed Outside the map, there's the social aspect, and we believe that Web3 products start there, like growing your Discord, growing your community, and then bringing the product towards the inside of the map. So we'll talk about that inverted path. Then we'll talk about our three-stage framework for early Web3 founders. Then we'll start with my experience at Facebook, the strongest case study for network effects in Web2, and how those learning lessons relate to my job and early-stage founders today. And lastly, how Ethereum also has some parallels to everything that we've talked about in this section. Not to be too corny about it, but we see ourselves as kind of being the river guides for Web2 founders trying to find their way into Web3, but also for Web3 founders trying to apply lessons from the Web2 network effects world to Web3. So with that, let's get started. If you're new to Web3, welcome. I was first introduced to crypto, which is what it was called at the time, in 2013 when I was at Andreessen Horowitz and Biology Srinivasan joined and he was preaching crypto left, right, and center. I listened and I went on walks with him and I'm really grateful for that learning experience, but admittedly I was too dumb then to fully get it and dedicate my life to it. So if you're new, welcome. It's still really early. And... One way to think about Web3 is relative to Web2 and Web1. So most of the world was introduced to Web1 around 1994, and it was read-only. You could consume the internet. You could not, I mean, very, very few people actually contributed to what was read on the internet. Then around the 2000s, you had platforms start to emerge that were read and write. So you could consume content, but you could also create content. You could write a blog. You could post on Facebook. You could do a tweet. And now Web3 is this concept of decentralized ownership of all of these platforms. And that's kind of the big unlock. So whereas Web2, you maybe would read on Twitter, write on Reddit, but you didn't necessarily have ownership in those platforms. Maybe you own some Twitter shares, but that's different and we can talk about it. But in Web3, the creators are also the consumers, but are also the owners of these products and platforms. And that changes the whole dynamic. There are many definitions of Web3. And NFX, of course, we created our own. So our definition of Web3 is any product that equalizes ownership and participation across the consumers and creators of products and platforms. Alongside our definition, there's also this ethos of Web3. And 
by the definition of distributing the sense of ownership and participation, the ethos is also this shared sense of ownership in that not only do you tactically own a piece of these protocols, but in virtue of doing so, you also feel like a real owner and contributor to the products and the protocols and the platforms that you interact with. So you engage differently, you tell your friends to join differently, you care differently. So that distributed sense of ownership and participation really is pervasive across how you feel, interact, and share that product as well. If you are a founder, thank you for being here. We largely see two buckets of founders in Web3. Let's start with the first. First is Web2 founders who are really excited about building in Web3. So these are founders that come from more traditional Web2 companies with strong product and engineering backgrounds. They have been following Web3 for a while or are very new to it. And they have the mental virus, which we are all familiar with. And they just need to have their next act be in Web3. We are very excited about this wave of founders coming into Web3 because that the product standard in Web3 is the equivalent of eating glass. Products are really hard to use. Us crypto folk have used them because we have to and because for the love of the game. But for the next wave of consumers to enter the space, the product experience needs to be better than where it is today. So these Web2 founders who are coming in, they have years of experience building some of the products that millions and not billions of you know, normal people use every day. And we're really excited to see how they can apply those skills to Web3. That said, Web2 founders that are new to Web3, the biggest risk is platform risk. So if you're building in Web2, there's little or smaller platform risk than building in Web3 in that if you are choosing to build an iOS app or you're choosing to build even just a website, like there's little platform risk. Like you're pretty confident that iPhones aren't going anywhere for the foreseeable future. In Web3, you need to choose which island to build on. So which protocol to build on, which blockchain chain to build on, which layer one or L1 to build on. And there is risk there in that there's risk to the underlying token price. And what does that mean for your product? There's risk to the underlying infrastructure. And what does that mean for your product? So there isn't one answer and we are not here to pick favorites. And we do believe that there are different answers for different use cases and different founders. But I would say the most important decision to make as far as like the start of your journey and on the decision tree is which protocol you're going to build on. You can actually, let's say, pause and rewind and the most important decision to make is which problem are you going to solve for people or consumers or end users? And then what is the best architecture and infrastructure to help you achieve that goal? Because as mentioned before, there isn't one answer. There are some islands, blockchains that are better for certain use cases, and there's some that are better for other use cases. So figure out the problem that you can uniquely solve. And then the biggest choice from there is what island are you going to build on? And the reason why it's so important is for the reasons I mentioned before of infrastructure, like that will impact your product and business. Token price will impact your product and business. And then also it is the community and the infrastructure that is built around that island. So for instance, like some 
blockchains are supported on a lot of exchanges. Some blockchains are supported on fewer exchanges. Some have more on and off ramps, meaning it's easier for consumers to get fiat money, like US dollars, euros, into and out of those. So there are all of these ancillary ecosystem benefits or disadvantages to various blockchains. And the most important decision you can make once you figure out what you want to do is which blockchain are you going to build on? One of the most important heuristics to evaluate those blockchains through is the network effects lens. So we will be putting something out that will evaluate various blockchains through various network effects lenses. And stay tuned for that. The second bucket are the Web3 founders that are native to Web3. So you have ate, slept, and breathed this world for the past, you don't even remember life before. And we love you too. And we are so excited to work with you as well. So you are kind of rolling your eyes at what I said in the last section. You know the ecosystem. You are very familiar with the pros and cons of the various blockchains. But we believe that there are some learning lessons from the before time that are still relevant to you. We recognize that Web3 is this whole new world and that a lot of the mental models from Web2 and earlier do need to be thrown in the garbage because they do not apply. But we also believe that there are common denominators from the before times that are still relevant. And of course, that includes like the network effects framework. So we will be talking about that today as well. I'll also add that my partner Gigi has a mental model for types of businesses in Web3. And he says that there's three types of businesses in Web3. One are kind of the completely net new products, so think L1s, which the old world really doesn't apply. They are valued in who knows how, and they have memes, and they have cult followings, and they are religions, and they are wonderful, and it's hard to, or harder to, apply mental models from the before times to those. Then the second bucket is products that are net new to Web3 and that they could not have existed before. And everything about them is Web3 native, but they are still grounded in some reality and that maybe they still have an equity valuation versus a token valuation, something else we can talk about. And maybe they also have to acquire users in similar ways. And then the third bucket are Web2 businesses with Web3 sex appeal, if I'm allowed to say that, which are businesses that are still really traditional businesses in that they are still based on transaction volume or they still have to buy Facebook ads or they still have to do enterprise sales. Like a lot of the inner workings of how these companies will be built and how they will succeed are really the same as they were, but what they're selling is a product that touches the Web3 world in some way. And those products and founders really need to study lessons from the before times. So we work with teams in all three buckets and we are excited about all three buckets. For the third bucket, I would say that the caution is thinking that those businesses are maybe more net new than they are. Now that I've been at NFX for a long and a short 18 months, I've met with hundreds if not thousands of Web3 founders and I've realized that there are these common denominators if you want to build network effects into your business. So with that, we've developed a three-part framework for how to build network effects into your business. Stage one of the framework is network bonding. Network bonding is really important. You need to start with your community. You need to start with the people that you're solving a problem for, and you need to talk to them. So 
instead of building in a vacuum and then going out into the world and hoping that the users exist and that they want what you're selling them, we believe you need to invert it a bit, which is start with the people that you're solving a problem for, but not only that, because that's always been important, start engaging with them sooner and having them engage with you sooner. So I recognize that Animal Farm didn't work and that there's a spectrum here. And we still believe that there does still need to be some team that is building and making decisions and using their judgment. But at the same time, we believe that instead of that team kind of being off on their own and then coming up for air when the time was right to launch the product, that that team needs to be engaging with the people that they're solving a problem for earlier, meaning specifically that ask them what they want. Ask them what features they want. Ask them what they're looking to see in the product on day one. And to the point that there's a spectrum between complete dictatorship and animal farm, I would say maybe make a finite list of what are the parameters in your product that you're comfortable letting the community have control over or letting the community have some say over and let them play kind of in that sandbox. Because it would, of course, be chaos if you opened up the whole scope for the whole world. And that's why there are people who are product managers and there are people who are engineers and there are experts at certain things. But you do want your community to feel ownership. And specifically, like the litmus test that I use as a proxy is, does your community, does your user base feel and know that the product looks and feels and is different because of input that they had? And again, whether or not that's true, it should be true. It's very important that they feel that way because coming back to the ethos part of Web3, you want the people you're solving a problem for to feel like they are really owners. But one of the more common ways of network bonding in crypto that we see is tokens. So tokens are interesting because they are a utility that is unique in how democratic they are. And by that, I mean that in the past, there were different tools used to incentivize different parties related to a business. So you are Facebook, to use them again, and you pay your employees with cash and you also pay them with equity grants and you pay your contractors with cash, but those are in the form of contracts, but you also have stock that public shareholders can buy. And there's various forms of compensation that can be used to coordinate the parties in your ecosystem. In crypto, that is democratized and that there's one unit and that is your token. The value of that token is tied to the health of the product or the protocol. So when the product and the protocol is doing right or is doing well, the value of the token goes up. And again, if used as a tool, an incentivization tool, then you have all of the various constituents in your world, customers, employees, contractors, partners, incentivized to make the token go up, which again is incentivized to make your business and protocol healthier. So as we keep saying, we believe that the social network effects, the ones on the outside of the map, are the extra important ones for Web3 founders as far as where to start. And I'm realizing that it's worthwhile to pause and go over what those social network effects are. So the social network effects are tribal, belief, bandwagon, and language. And let's go through each one. So tribal is finding your tribe, finding groups of people who share a common interest, whether that's baseball cards or carbon credits or Arizona iced tea. Once you find those people, the beauty is that it's no longer one to many. It's no longer you trying to find those people. It becomes many to many and the growth then becomes exponential. 
And your tribe helps instill the second network effect, which is the belief network effect. So the belief network effect is much like gold and religion and Bitcoin, which we will get to. And the belief network effect is creating shared beliefs among a group of people so that they are motivated to achieve a common goal. And once more people start to believe in the same thing, the value of that belief rises. The bandwagon network belief is more or less creating FOMO, creating something that feels exclusive, that the people on the outside want to be a part of, and that the people on the inside feel really special to be a part of. And then last but not least is language. And language isn't the most important. It's not like you can't start without it, but it's a very, very nice to have. And language is this subculture that people want to be a part of. And you see it between projects, but you also see it at crypto at large. Like if you saw people saying GM for good morning, or if you see people spelling when, W-E-N, instead of W-H-E-N, those are all of the little things that create this shared language and this shared subculture between a group of people, which makes it feel more like a tribe. So even though those are four distinct network effects, you can also kind of see how the four social network effects play together and build on each other and can kind of snowball. It's definitely something you should be shooting for. So the second phase is once you have your social network effects in place or in a good enough place, the real challenge is then how do you navigate your team, your product, and your tribe closer towards the center of the circle? So social network effects are great and strong and, again, where we believe Web3 founders should start. But the trick is that the strongest network effects are actually in the middle. So as you figure out where you're going to land in that center, think of some examples. Are you a platform like Ethereum where... You are bringing developers to bring dApps and products and experiences on top of your platform. Are you a marketplace like OpenSea where you have buyers and sellers and you're at the center of that? Or are you a market network where you have end sides of your marketplace, which make it even stronger because there's more constituents that are tied to your success? So the goal of stage two is navigating towards the center of the circle to find a more defensible position and landing place for your company. Stage three is reinforcement. So once you have your social network effects and once you've chosen your network effect that's more towards the center, how do you reinforce that? How do you build defensibilities of defensibilities? How do you build the walls of your castle even higher? How do you further ensure that it's harder to compete with you, it's harder to replace you, it's harder to make you irrelevant? Reinforcement is an area where Web3 is particularly awesome. So in Web 2, reinforcement, the onus was on the company, the onus was on the founder to continue to build those defensibilities on defensibilities. In Web 3, if done right, and that's why the social network effects are so important, but you have a tribe working for you. And it's kind of this self-fulfilling prophecy where not only are you and your direct team working on the reinforcement and the defensibilities on defensibilities, but you have a tribe that has a belief system and a shared language that's out there kind of proselytizing to the world the power of your product and your platform. And incentives align, are aligned across all constituents of your community to continue to reinforce these network effects. And instead of it being, again, a one-to-many or like a centralized team-to-many in this effort, it's many-to-many, and that's where even the reinforcement growth can be exponential if you set the social network of X building blocks in place correctly from the beginning and nurture them over time. And that's why, to bring this full circle, 
we really, really believe that starting there is important because if you sow those seeds early, it kind of just continues to pay off for years and years to come and will continue to build that moat for you, which will make your life easier later. So invest the time early to build those social network effects that later when you're at the reinforcement stage, you have a whole army of people working for you, with you. So if you're starting a Web3 company, we recommend following this three-stage framework to build defensible network effects strategy into your business from the earliest days. As we try to tie in these DM learning lessons over the course of this course, one that I'm reminded of is how we really took that Web3 ethos to heart. So we knew that we were maybe the ones coming up with the initial idea behind at the time what was called Libra. But we also knew and felt deeply and strongly that Libra had no chance of success if we didn't make others not only feel like they were owners, but like actually also be owners. So almost on day zero, we went to recruit other organizations, individuals, and entities to be part of the Libra process from the earliest days so that everyone felt a sense of ownership and so that it didn't feel, and so that it, it, not only that it didn't feel, but so that in reality was not owned or controlled or birthed or conceived by one centralized entity. And that was really important to us. And kind of every step along the way, we kept pausing and checking ourselves and saying, is this truly a process that is not owned and controlled by us? Is this truly a community that we're building where everyone feels like Libra is as much theirs as it is ours? And is this truly a product that can stand on its own without us? And that's one of the really important litmus tests to ask for any founder in Web3. Like, of course, there's going to be a phase where you're needed and you're wanted. But an ultimate goal is to envision a future where one day, if you were to disappear, can that product or protocol live on its own? And that was always something we asked ourselves every second of every day over the Libra journey. If you've made it this far, thank you. And you also have heard and hopefully understand why we believe network effects are so important for Web3, starting from social network effects to more of the center of the circle of what is the main network effect of your business. But at the same time, I'm going to admit we don't really know anything in that it's so early. And if you're new to Web3, I don't want this to be intimidating, but I also really want you to feel that it's so early. And you hear people say that and you might think it's a joke, but it's true. And as my partner, James, has been following and studying and building and learning in the Web2 world, he has discovered new network effects from the Web2 world as Web2 has evolved, such as the hub and spoke network effect. So although we're here today preaching what we know, we also are very cognizant of the fact that we don't know a lot and we expect to discover new network effects that are specific and relevant to Web3 as the space emerges and as Web3 eats Web2. So if you enjoyed this course, please stay tuned and subscribe and join the NFX family so that you can learn and discover with us as this world evolves. 
Stay tuned to the NFX podcast as we'll post one episode per week until we complete the course. You can also watch this entire masterclass online at nfx.com masterclass, where you can log in, track your progress, and watch full videos, read transcripts, and find other related material. Thanks for listening to the NFX podcast.